word. Today's reading comes from Nehemiah 6, 1 through 19. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come and let us meet together at Hekephirim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sambalat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. And it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. Rebel. <laughs> that is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together. Then I sent to him saying, No such things as you say have been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking, Their hands will drop from the work, and it will not be done. But now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Now when I went to, into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Deliah, son of Mehetabel, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin, and so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, O oh my God according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah and Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Ara, and his son Jehohanan had taken the daughter of Meshalam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Also they, they spoke of his good deeds in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobiah sent letters to make me afraid. This is God's word. Father, we thank you for your word. We know it breathes life. Would you remove me, allow people to hear from you that they may be encouraged to live according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So it's that uh, football season. Usually around this time, a lot of my examples from the sermon either have something to do with football or the colors of the leaves outside. This week it's going to be football. So could you imagine, imagine if I gave you the game plan of the other team. 
Every time the team planned to do something, you were prepared. You knew exactly what they were going to do. They said that they were going to go left. You were there waiting for them. All right, they're going to run the trick play. They're going to go to the right. You got the game plan. You waiting for them. Today, my hope is that we learn from God's word and, and, and get a game plan. Game plan is cheating. That's illegal in most sports. You're not supposed to know what the other team is doing, but it's okay this Sunday because I'm going to give you the game plan that Satan uses to trick up Christians. I'm going to give you some of the strategy that Satan uses to mess us up, and we're going to see how Nehemiah responds as Satan attacks. Would you turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 6? You guys remember we've been in this book for some time. Chapter one, Nehemiah gets the news that his hometown has been just devastated. The walls surrounding Jerusalem are broken down. His heart breaks for his city. His city is in is in ruins and and his people are scattered all around. But because he's a man of integrity and he's been working with the king, the king blesses him and and he has God's favor. So the king gives him favor as well. Uh, Nehemiah goes out and he begins to look at the situation and he inspects the walls to see what is going on. How bad is my city? And while he's inspecting the walls, he comes against some people that we commonly term haters. That's right. Sambalot and Tobiah, these haters are just throwing shade his way, salty that he's trying to rebuild. But God puts something into his heart. He puts a plan in his heart and this, this plan he shares with the people. And in, in Nehemiah 2.12, this is like kind of the, the thing we're going to keep coming back to. And it's actually a phrase in 12 and in 18 that I'm going to have you guys say with me at one point. In 2.12, it says, then I arose in the night and I had a few men with me. I told no one what God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. So in chapter 2, there's this conviction that builds within him first. Then in verse 18, it says, and I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. So this conviction that was in him. He then shares the plan with the people and the people respond by saying, let us rise up. Let me hear you say that, Mac family. Let us rise up. Let us rise up. So he builds up a team. Everybody plays a role in rebuilding the community. Now, there was a small sect of Jewish folks that was like, ah, I'm not down with that vision. I don't think God's in that. We're not going to be about that. But for the majority of the community, they all got involved, served and helped rebuild. But those haters came back and they came back trying to frustrate the plan. And they were using a variety of ways to try to to try to get the people scared. And 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 Nehemiah says, look, y'all, if the drama comes I want you to get a tool, a weapon in one hand, be ready to fight. But God gave us a vision. God gave us a plan. 
God gave us a purpose by which we're going to rebuild the city. So with one hand, be ready to fight. But let this hand keep working. You keep building. God gave us a vision to rebuild, and we're not going to stop rebuilding. If they come, we're going to fight them with the other hand. If they don't, we're going to keep rebuilding. And so the people begin to rebuild. But we see that sometimes the biggest challenges aren't just what happens outside the camp. Sometimes you get internal challenges and we start to see the people of God taking advantage of one another. And Nehemiah comes and says, come on, y'all, this is not the way that we serve our God. This man of integrity shows with his life the way he's treated people. But he also calls the people of God to reconcile. So It's like, OK, OK, we're back. We're back on the team. We're back on the same team. We're back reconciled. And they're back to serve as a unified front in rebuilding the wall. And that brings us into our chapter today, chapter six, where we look at some strategies that Satan seeks to use to wreak havoc in the life of the people of God. And I, I dare I say he's still using those strategies today to wreak havoc in our lives. Because if Satan can, can scare you, can cause fear in you to paralyze you, then Satan can control you. Read with me, starting in chapter 6, verse 1. Now, when Sambalot and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the gates, Sambalot and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together at Hakfarim in the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. Be, be, be cautious when the people who hate you all of a sudden want to come kick it. When, when the folks that as you were rebuilding the walls were making fun of you, they said stuff like, look, if you put a little cockroach on the wall, look at the way she's trying to build that. Put a cockroach on it. The whole wall will come crumbling down. They, they used foxes and these other illustrations, but all they was doing was dogging the people of God. And now all of a sudden, they seem to show kindness. They seem to show uh, a desire to, to let's do life. Let's talk. Let's go to this place called a, oh no. My wife just laughed. Yep. She, every time I say that, she laughed. I knew it was coming. <laughs> But we, we, we had a chance to go to a retreat a few weeks ago, and uh, it was this marriage retreat. And, and we sat with a couple, and the brother said, man, uh, our family was really broken. He said it was a blessing that we were able to, to kind of start. We got married. We moved away. We got stability. And when we came back, the family was so mad that we had become stable, that they did anything they could to pull us back into our old lifestyles. To, to, to tear our stability apart. I, family, why do I say that? I say that because many of us will have to create new norms 
And, and some of those old behaviors might be desiring to, to pull you back, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whoever it is. But, but I, I, I start there because just be cautious when you get that call from a person who, who used to be an enemy. For a person who used to delight in things that you don't delight in no more. Be cautious. Continue with me in verse, verse 3. And I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way. And I answered them in the same manner. In the same way, Sambalot for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you're building a wall. According to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem that there is a king in Judah. And now the king will hear these reports. So now come, let us take up counsel together. You are... You, you see, first, they start by saying, hey, come on over. Let's come talk. It's an invitation. But then he responds in verse three by saying, I'm not going to stop the work I'm doing for the Lord. Why should I stop the work to come talk with you? So what starts off as a nice, subtle invitation, oh, it shifts in tone. It shifts in tone. And what happens first? First, they say, would you please come again? Would you please come again? Would you please come? Would you please come again? That repetition, that continuous pursuit for your end, for your demise, Satan is crafty. Repetition is something that Satan uses often to break down the believer. You thought because you said no once, he was just going to leave? You, you thought because you did one prayer, now that just covered it and you were safe? Repetition is something that you, you see in all aspects of your life. I mean, my... My doorbell don't even just ding. It at least goes ding dong. You at least get two out of the doorbell. You know? That brother come knocking at my door to cut the grass. He never goes. <laughs> I feel like the police break it up. You know what I mean? Like that repetition gets your attention. It wakes you up. It stops whatever you are doing. It disrupts your normal pace of life. Didn't I tell you no? Didn't I tell you no? Didn't I tell you no? The hope of repetition is that it will wear you down. Satan doesn't care that we say no the first time. And that's not, that's not an issue of your strength. It is one where he's trying to constantly seek to send lies our way. You aren't strong enough to withstand me. I'll keep coming back. You aren't strong enough to endure. And he's right. We're not strong enough in and of ourselves. But by the power of God, we can outlast his repetitive nature. 
I, uh, I remember, man, uh, the, the, the craftiness of that McDonald's corporation. I was trying to, I uh, got, got the word from my, from, my, um, from my doctor that my cholesterol was high. So I'm like, all right, I got two options. I can eat, uh, I can take a pill every day that will reduce it, or I can become a vegan and not eat anything produced from meat. I don't like pills. So my self decided to go for being a vegan. Now, um, y'all might not know, but I like McDonald's. <laughs> I like McDonald's. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to be a vegan. I'm going to got this down. Let's do this. Boo got me. She's like, all right, I go to Costco. She got all my soups and all this stuff. Set me up right. Vegan veggie patties. They're not vegan burgers. They're nope. It's not nowhere. If it's veggie, burger, those don't combine. It's a vegan patty. Um, so so the so realize, boom, okay, I'm going to fight this thing. Next day, dude comes by with a little write-up paper. Toss it on the front porch. Boom. McDonald's coupons. <laughs> Waiting at the steps. <laughs> all right. All right. Ball that up. I'm cool. Then we got to go to Gross Point for something. I don't know what we're doing. We're leaving the house, driving back, coming over that bridge. And it was like they put 10 guys on the roof with fans and just start blowing the smell of fries towards my car. <laughs> Get that. With the salt. Get that. Okay. So now I'm like, man, all right, nope, stay strong, stay strong. But then whatever we was doing ran too long. So we come out of that, and the kids is hungry. Now I got to hit the drive-thru. That repetition is a beast, y'all. I, I, I didn't withstand it. I had some fries. <laughs> why, why, do I, why do I bring up this silly concept? Why do I bring up this illustration? Because Satan is crafty. He uses different means to get to the same end. His goal is that you would compromise. So what? You stop checking your phone. You put a little filter on your phone. I'm going to get you from the computer. Oh, your computer, you think that's safe? Great. Watch this Super Bowl. I got some commercials for you. Okay, you and wifey want to watch a little movie. It's inappropriate. How, well, am I too Christian? Can I not? Sometimes you just got to say, Lord, for the sake of bringing you glory, I see the attacks coming from a variety of ways and help me to just have strength to withstand. Help me to have the, the, the victory by outlasting Satan's desire to see me compromise. But then he uses a different tactic. So the first one is he comes kind of slyly, invites you in. Want to come through? Nope. Ain't got no time for you, Satan. Second one is re repetition. I keep knocking. I keep knocking. I find different ways to tempt you. Third, he just makes up lies. Lies. Look at this. It says, look, I, I, I got this letter that I'm going to send. And it's going to say that y'all intend in verse six to rebel. That's why y'all building a wall. Also, I'm going to send this letter out that say you want to be the king. And guess what? You brought a whole homie of prophets with you to proclaim that there's a king in Judah. 
and it's you. This brother is just making up blatant lies. Lies. But notice what Nehemiah said in verse 3. I'm not stopping the work. I'm not stopping the work. That's a, that's, that's a real challenge to character. That's a real challenge to character because, because we care about what people think about us. We worry about whatever other people would say. We worry about the damaging effects of the lies. We consider it. I mean, this is one ploy to try to get the people of God to question, is Nehemiah the man? I mean, wait a minute. Nehemiah is supposed to be our leader. But he telling people that we here to praise him as king. Oh, forget that. I'm not building this wall no more. Forget Nehemiah. You see, this tactic is 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 devised to compromise the integrity of who Nehemiah is. If the people start questioning his leadership, then they'll question whether we should keep rebuilding the wall. So now it comes to us. How, how would you respond if somebody said to you what you are doing? Your walk with Christ. Your walk with the Lord. Stop it or I'm going to lie on you. And I ain't talking about a little like, you know, oh, this person, you know, uh, you know, you kind of. <laughs> tell these little white lies or, you know, you say somebody looks nice and you like they dress when you really don't, you know, like, nah, mm-mm. I'm talking about like you helping your neighbor move their refrigerator and then somebody take a picture of you and then like say, look, if you don't stop the way you're trying to live, I got 100,000 Facebook followers that's ready to repost this, and I'm going to put hashtag scrapper underneath this picture. I'm going to say you are a thief. What you going to do? It's, it's that type of assault on your name, on your integrity, on what people could think of you. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed because I feel like a punk in comparison to Nehemiah. Because Nehemiah says, I don't care. Give me the phone. I'll hit send for you. <laughs> I'm not stopping building this wall. I'm not stopping doing what God calls us to. Let us build. Amen, church? Let us build is his mantra and nothing's going to stop that because God has birthed that conviction in him that he is then given to the people. So even if he's going to be lied on, he's not stopping. That's a that's an encouraging, encouraging thing. But what leads us to stop? Look with me at verse eight. Then I sent to him saying, no such things as you. And, and I'm hoping I'm hoping what you're hearing here is in, in your mind. My prayer is that you see the different ways in which Satan tries to trip us up and you will say, Lord, which way would I be most prone to? 
Like some of us don't care about what people think about us. That ain't really getting me. But you give in quick if somebody asks for something more than twice. Or maybe you're gullible. And people could woo you into a situation that you're not supposed to be in because you don't have good discernment. I don't know. My prayer, though, is that you would be listening and seeing these different strategies that God that God is trying to expose and that Satan uses. And you'd be like, oh, I got your game plan, Satan. Look with me at verse eight. Then I sent him saying, no such things as you say have been done for you are inventing them out of your mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will be done. But now, O oh God, straighten my, strengthen my hands. See, this was all a big lie, all a fabrication, all a conjuring up in their mind. But it was all to lead to the same end goal, that they would stop building, that they would stop rebuilding the wall, that they would stop fortifying the city. Fear, man. Verse nine, that that everything that they were doing is working towards one goal to frighten us. Do you know what 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 fear like what it feels like? You know what fear like smells like what it tastes like? Fear sets off senses like none other. I mean, if I ask you of a time that you've truly been scared, you may not remember how you got there. You don't remember what else happened. But in that moment, your senses can go crazy and you can remember sounds that were present. You can remember a a taste in the air. You can remember how the room was cold, but all of a sudden you got hot. Fear can can do some things to our body. This, this, This blog that talks about health breaks down some of the ways that fear works in our body. It's a blog called uh, Enhancing Your Well-Being. It said that fear prepares us to begin to react to danger. Once we sense a potential danger, our body releases hormones, hormones that slow down or shut down functions that are not needed for survival. But it also pumps and sharpens functions that might help us survive. So that concept of fight or flight, that thing is real. That thing is real. And your body kicks into gear when it has to go into self-preservation mode. Sambalot and Tobiah, they're trying to throw fear at Nehemiah, and they'll take either one. They'll take him fighting. Come on and fight, because that means you stop building the wall. Or they'll take him flighting. Run, save your name, protect yourself, because that too leads to them stopping to build a wall. But I love how this man doesn't get triggered by the fear they're trying to invoke. He doesn't let their purpose for their evil schemes become his burden of fear. I uh, was trying to look through Google and needed like an acronym for fear. And a couple of really good ones came up. This is one that I think is is unhealthy. It says, uh, forget everything and run. Acronym for fear. And I've seen that in the lives of believers. I've seen that in my own life where it's like, man, 
you calling me to that or that type of obstacle is in the way or man, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. And we, we, we forget everything and run. But the definition of fear is this. The definition of fear is it is an unpleasant emotion that's caused by the belief that something or someone is dangerous, likely to cause pain or threat. Caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous. So now we realize that, God bless you, at at the root, fear is a belief issue. Because see, when, when, when I got challenged by a guy that was bigger than me, and he was ready to fight, I was scared. But when the little dude came talking stuff ready to fight, I wasn't scared. (laughs) I didn't believe that guy could harm me. You see, belief plays a big role in the effects of fear. So I actually think that this second acronym is more along the lines of how Nehemiah approached fear. The second one is false evidence appearing real. False evidence. It's it's a fake. It is is Sanballat and Tobiah trying to say to Nehemiah, we bigger than your God. We stronger than your God. We have more control than your God. And Nehemiah is saying, (laughs) I don't believe that. I don't believe that. So so we don't know all of his emotions and what he felt. All we know is his response and his response didn't get set off for fighting or flighting. His his belief didn't allow their fear to trigger a response in him. So whatever he did, we know the brother was cool. What does that look like for us as the people of God? To to see fear for what it is, a tactic of Satan to take us away from doing kingdom-minded things. That he's going to try to undermine your integrity, might lie on you, might keep tempting you with with unhealthy, with sinful behavior, but he's still knocking at the door, might just distract you and invite you to come to light in in some things that are not you continuing to advance God's kingdom. All with the end goal of trying to paralyze you with fear. I, uh, I heard that famous saying, and I didn't really know the context of it, so I looked it up. Our our former president back in 1933, uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he was in the midst of Great Depression. And that's where that phrase, uh, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. That's where that phrase comes from. But I want to share a few words, a few sentences from his speech that actually I think helps us helps us get this concept of belief. He said, uh, this great nation will endure as it has endured, will revive, will prosper. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that 
The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror, which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. In every dark hour of our national life, a leadership of frankness and vigor has has met with that understanding and support of the people themselves, which is essential to victory. It's basically saying unjustified terror can paralyze us. He's not saying that it's not terror, that it's not real. He's just saying it has no value. It ain't justified. So why are we letting it cripple us if it has no power? I don't know if that brother loved the Lord or not. But we know that we are victorious in Christ. We know that Jesus has conquered death. We know, yeah, take my name through the mud. It doesn't matter. My God still reigns. And so why do we allow fear to paralyze us? Continue with me in verse 10. I know we only in verse 10 and I've been on here about 30 minutes. Don't worry, I won't keep you real long. Now, when I went into the house of Shemaiah, the son of Delilah, son of uh, Mehetabal, who was confined to his home, he said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. But I said, should such a man as I run away and what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, but he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sembalat had hired him. For this purpose, he was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way and in sin so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sembalat, oh my God according to these things that they did, and also the prophetess uh, Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. This is a, a, a scheme. It's a setup. And sadly, they brought in a brother who was supposed to be trustworthy. It's a setup. So Satan is using this tactic to take down his, his to take down God's appointed man. I've uh, I, I I'm I've got a few different schemes that I see happening in the church, but we know the effects that schemes have on our credibility. And that's what's at stake here. If Nehemiah's credibility is shot, the people stop serving. You don't have to be Nehemiah to be as much to be a tool used for God's glory. Your integrity matters in the kingdom. You don't. This isn't a message for me as the pastor. It is. I'm taking it to heart. But don't write yourself off because you think you're not a big leader. No, you represent the kingdom. Your integrity matters. And I've seen in our community, sadly, uh, it was just just a couple of years ago, we had a a scheme come out that a a, uh, school supply vendor uh, was giving kickbacks to principals in our community. 
actually throughout the whole city. Uh, Twelve principals ended up being indicted, and I know one, maybe two, were from our community. What, What do you think that did for our faith in our educational system? When they said this man had dished out almost one million dollars in kickbacks. What what did that do to our community when this is the place we're sending our children? You think that damaged our trust a little bit? I ain't saying those people are, are just evil and we just write them off. Some of them were people that I have spoken to and worked with. So I know that they cared. But still, it compromises their witness. And, I, and, and I'm pretty, I, I don't know them well enough to say this, but I can say it based on being in a black Detroit with 12 black people. I'm pretty sure some of them probably went to church. You see, you don't, you don't have to just be a principal. You don't, there's going to be schemes and opportunities for you to compromise your witness, too, in your workplace, on your block. I don't like my church sometimes because everybody always talking about how beautiful we is. I'm like, man, thank you. Thank you. But man, don't be looking at my, my church women like that. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes I'm on the street and I'm protecting y'all. I say that because Satan wants to destroy households. So if you single, he want to send a dude to be your boo and snuggle up with you and compromise your integrity. If you married, he want to send a boo to snuggle up with you that ain't your spouse and compromise your integrity. You think the scheme stops? It doesn't. And what would that do to our to our sitting with a pastor this past week and uh, just a a great man who mentors other pastors. He was just sharing with me that that a guy that recently got into ministry, thankful that he gets to serve, now leading a congregation, just finds out that his youth pastor is having an affair with the, with the kids ministry leader. What is, what is, how, what? Family. Satan is scheming and our victory, our wholeness, our worth cannot be in our name. He'll come with schemes to compromise that. It cannot be in our physical pleasures because he'll send that too. It has to be in Christ and Christ alone. And so in verse 15, The wall was finished, and on the 25th day of the month of Elul, in the 52 days, and when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Amen. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah. Tobiah's letters came to them. For many in Judah were bound by oath to him, because he was the son-in-law of Shekinah. Shekinah, Shekinah, sorry, the son of Arah, and his son Johanan had taken the daughter of Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, as his wife. Also, they spoke of his good deeds 
in my presence and reported my words to him. And Tobias sent letters to make me afraid. Verse 16 in the NIV says it like this. It says, when all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence. I love what it looks like for you to trust God, not knowing the outcome. They might go smear my name. People might believe it. It might look real bad. But when I trust in God, he prevails. They, I, I love that they don't say, man, well, seeing how this happened, they highly revered Nehemiah. No, they gave the credit to God, and it even challenged their own self-confidence. But this is the one that probably, uh, and they all hurt my heart. Each of Satan's schemes to lead us as believers to compromise hurts my heart. But this one, I think, is... Uh, uh, hits impacts me the most. Uh, in verse 18, it says uh, that Tobiah's son's name was Johananin. That name means the Lord has shown mercy. And back in Ezra chapter 2, verse 60, we see the family of Tobiah is a part of Jerusalem, but they have to prove their lineage. And for whatever reason, they can't prove their lineage. So Tobiah, that family becomes an outskirt of Jerusalem and begins to have authority, but also begins to be a name that we see constantly dogging Nehemiah, dogging Nehemiah, dogging Nehemiah. And this kind of last tactic that I think Satan uses to really trick us up is one where he desires to lead the body of Christ to fight against itself. He desires to trick us and get us caught up in little stuff that would make us war within ourselves and break the unity that he offers. Most recently, in the past few weeks, uh, there has been a a big issue taking place uh, within the evangelical circle. Uh, There's a pastor named uh, John MacArthur, and he's very well known. He's a guy that has taught the Bible uh, extensively for, I think, 30 plus years. And many pastors kind of look to him. He, in the evangelical world, more more conservative. They don't like to use terms like bishop and things of that nature, but he could be seen as a bishop, a guy that's over many pastors. Well, in the last few weeks, he comes out with a letter that basically says, uh, and if you could bring up that first one, brother, it's called the, um, the Statement on Social Justice and the Gospel. And it's, and, it's, and it's basically, you know what, I'll read it. Go to that next one, James. One of the key points he makes is, Uh, Specifically, we are deeply concerned that values borrowed from secular culture are currently undermining scripture in the areas of race and ethnicity, manhood and womanhood, and human sexuality. The Bible's teaching on each of these subjects is being challenged under the broad and somewhat nebulous rubric of concern for social justice. So in him saying this, he's almost saying that preaching the gospel, and, and forgive me, but I don't, it is like, 
14 different articles that help define what he means. And I encourage you to go read it for yourself. But if I can do a quick summary, what he's trying to say is the gospel is paramount and things that are related to race and to culture and to sexuality and manhood are secondary. So let's not talk about those as much. Let's just focus on the gospel. And it is rocking some of the fabric of the church because people of color, people uh, that are trying to walk through sexuality issues, people that are trying to help define what does it look like to be a God-centered man in my home and a God-centered woman in my home, people that are doing life in, in culture that's not all the same and saying, man, I got black and white and Asian and Indian. I've got this mix. Race does have an impact. So what does all this look like? A lot of these people are saying, Man, they just don't get it. He, he, just, he just doesn't get it. And what he's writing shows that we live in two very different worlds. And the way we understand the gospel is happening in, in two different ways. And so now what's breaking my heart more is that the church is fracturing as a result of this. You've got people that walked together closely now using this as a means of defining where you stand as a believer and as a church. And so as he put this out, he also put out the opportunity for people to sign up. so They agree with it. And as of last night, eighty seven hundred people had agreed with it. And when I say people, oftentimes it is pastors of churches and leaders of other organizations. And so, family, Satan is busy. My, my aim is not to sit here and talk about how MacArthur missed the point or how, you know, uh, the Asian theologians that are challenging him are all right or wrong. And who did it? All I'm saying is, man, do you see the fragmenting of the body? who's called to be one, and if anything that the world will see, the world will know Christ by our unity. He knows him by our oneness. You don't think that this, if this could happen on a thousand people scale, if this could happen on a national scale, you don't think this could happen in your home. You don't think Satan is bringing these schemes in your home between you and your kids, between you and your spouse, between you and your siblings. Family, let us, and and, and my goal here is that when we see it, it would not trigger us. When we see it happening, we would say, oh, I got the opportunity to fear. No, I don't believe that. Christ is bigger than the temptation for fear. My belief is that I'm already victorious in Christ. So I don't need to respond in this certain way. I don't need to respond in that certain way. You are not my enemy. You are my sister in Christ. Let us grow. You are not my enemy. You are my spouse. And I love you. See, sometimes we forget some of those verses that remind us of the hand of God. James, could you pull up that that uh, it was back up in the like second or third slide where it said um, Nehemiah 218. It says, 
Let me let you get there, brother. It's like early on. Yeah, 218. For many in June, no, sorry, two, 218, all the way up. That's 618. There we go. And I told them of the hand of my God, hand of my God that had been upon me for good. See, Macab, in order to be able to see yourself as victorious over these lies, we need some hand of God scriptures. Some things that hold dear and close to your heart. We're in those times where you're being questioned and being scared into into not being what God wants you to be. They're they're right here. You know, he's got you. Here's a couple of them. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Proverbs 16, 9, one of those hand of my God scriptures. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The hand of God is with me as I walk. And lastly, 1 John 5, 4. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Our faith. Family, let our faith in Christ allow us to persevere through through Satan's schemes. We see him. We got the playbook. How you respond. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for victory. We thank you for your word, which reminds us of your hand that is with us. We shall fear no evil. May we be your people, God, that are used for your glory. May we, God, be able to properly see the schemes that Satan is bringing forth to compromise our witness, to compromise our marriage, to compromise our lifestyles that we seek to devote to you and you alone. We cannot do this in and of ourselves, but empowered by your spirit, we are victorious. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray.